to get you to make those introductions to me all the time make me feel important hey i'm in i'm in i will fly over from the united kingdom and every if you walk through the room we'll make sure you get that introduction well maybe i'll fly maybe i'll fly over there and we'll do the show from there oh look at that let's go international herb let's go international there you go (laughs) yeah and it's always great to see my friend ryan uh, as we talked before we went on the air uh, a long friendship and they don't come much better than him. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see this book that he's uh, put together. Uh, I'm kind of envious of him because uh, the stories that he's going to be able to tell, uh, it's going to be uh, great. And it's going to guarantee it's going to be a number one seller without a doubt. Oh, well, you got way more faith than I do, Herb. But I will tell you this before we get into anything. And I mean this as someone, we mentioned this off the air before we came on that I've known you um, pretty much my entire adult life. And I, I can say that it's very much an honor and a privilege, sir, for you to be on with us. Um, <clears throat> you're someone that I've looked up to, admired uh, for a long time. Someone I feel like does everything uh, the way it should be done in the wrestling business. So f- to have you on our show, uh, just to get that out of the way, is it's very much a privilege, sir. So thank you. Thank you for well, your time. Well, it's my honor. Like I said, as you know, uh, I love talking wrestling. The wife tells me I never uh, sharp for words all the time, but she said when it comes to my passion, she said, uh, just go into the bedroom, I'll lock the door and let you do your time. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, Herbert, today, because, you know, look, it, it, it's I don't feel it's right that a Brit does it. I feel that we have uh, Ryan in the room. So, for everyone that is listening, you will hear a lot more of Ryan, which is a rare thing. But hey, look, he is the he is the St. Louis native. He knows her very well. I am here pitching some questions and really gain some knowledge from her. So, Ryan, over to you today. Well, I guess I'll start things off by putting uh, in perspective what it was like to be a St. Louis wrestling fan as a kid. For me, wrestling meant wrestling at the chase on the weekends, which was... Uh, at the time, I believe the third highest rated show in the St. Louis area behind the local news and St. Louis Cardinals baseball. Pro wrestling was a way of life in the Gateway City for us in the 70s and 80s, especially as it became so much more popular on KPLR Channel 11 locally. And Herb was right there as part of that with uh, the NWA president at the time, Sam Munchnik, in my mind, the greatest promoter ever. He passed that knowledge along to Herb Simmons, who has been the promoter in the St. Louis area since the 1970s. He is, quite frankly, in my mind, uh, a genius when it comes to putting on events and giving the fans what they really, really want, sending them home happy. Uh, 
Mr. Simmons, I guess we'll start from the beginning. How did you get caught up in this crazy circus life of pro wrestling back in the 1970s? Well, it, it's a real simple, but I just want to make one correction there. Sam passed that knowledge on to his protege back then, uh, our good friend, Larry Matasek, who yes. I know you met. And of course, uh, my friendship with Larry is what put me in that position to meet Sam Muchnick. He, he introduced me to Sam early on, and um, it was kind of like uh, the Three Musketeers from that point on, even <laughs> though I was just a small part of that. Larry was, I mean, he started working for Sam Muchnick when he was 16 years old, and he did everything from sweeping the floors to emptying the trash cans. Uh, as he went on, he started writing articles, uh, calling in the results to the local uh, radio stations after the Keel Auditorium matches, and then worked his way up the ladder. And, and of course, uh, when he first introduced me to Sam, it was like I was a, a kid at a candy shop uh, because I, I was literally sitting there with who I felt at that time was God. And, it, you know, he ruled the NWA for over 41 years off and on as the president. And he was the peacekeeper as a lot of uh, the men in the business called it. And, you know, I want to clarify, I've, I've never taken a bump, even though, uh, I did get a broken rib one time down in, uh, Tennessee with the uh, Burt Prentice's organization, uh, when, a telecon and Travis Cook uh, bum rushed me and shoved me into the ring, but I've never <laughs> taken a real bump. Never want to. My hats off to the guys that do do that, but I'll stick to the uh, promotional side of it. But to answer your question, I got into business just like all of us have as a fan. Um, you know, um, my mom was an avid uh, wrestling fans. My brothers and sisters, not so much, but that was the other glue that my mom and I had to held us really close together was the wrestling at the chase. Um, she, uh, she would sit there and boo the likes of, you know, the Baron Von Roschke's and uh, all the big heels that she could think of, of uh, Gene Kaniski's and people like that, or Killer Kowalski. Um, and I would taunt her a little bit because, you know, I always liked the John Paul Hennings or the Red Bastines or Farmer Marlin and people like that, that there was regulars on wrestling at the chase. Uh, you know, it started on television in 1959. Oh, wow. And the, uh, the first play-by-play -play announcer was a gentleman you may uh, remember, Joe Garagiola. Um, and a lot of people uh, didn't realize that, but that was his first gig. And later on in life, um, I'll never forget when his brother, Mickey Garagiola, turned out to be the ring announcer for Wrestling at the Chase. When uh, uh, Mickey passed away, Larry and I attended the funeral. And there we are sitting at the uh, funeral home uh, with Joe and uh, Yogi Berra. Uh, hmm. And just, you know, uh, another great moment of my short uh, career uh, being associated, sit there and say, hey, I was at, yeah, I was at a funeral, but I'm there with Joe Garagiola, who went on to, to today's show and uh, do what he all did. But he always said that his time at wrestling at the chase was the best time he had. Because, you know, guys like Rip Hawk, Johnny Valentine, Cowboy Bob Ellis, uh, those were all the guys that he got to call those matches for. And he said that was just the greatest time in his life. Uh, now, here's a guy that went on to Hollywood and went on to New York City. and But he's talking about in St. Louis at wrestling at the chase was his best time of his life. Now, I see Mickey's pro. I mean, I'm sorry. I see uh, Larry's profile over your shoulder. But you just brought up Mickey Garagiola. So before we get to Larry, I think you have to explain to the folks what a character that Mickey was around the St. Louis area and how much everyone loved him. 
uh, well, you know, Mickey and Larry uh, was household names. Um, you didn't, uh, you didn't say the name Larry Matasek without, you know, they were partners in crimes as I called them. In fact, I always got a kick out of, uh, in fact, in the book that um, was just published a year or two ago by Ed Wheatley, uh, the second Wrestling at the Chase book that I helped with. I helped Larry with the first one uh, 20 plus years ago. In fact, when uh, the author of this book, Ed Wheatley's uh, publisher, called me and said, hey, would you uh, consider helping uh, an author with another Wrestling at the Chase book? I said, no. I said, we've already done that. You know, what can he say that Larry Matasek, the guy who was there, could say? And he said, well, will you at least listen to what Ed's got to propose? And so I did. And I'm thankful that I did because Ed and I, the authors, uh, we uh, uh, put together a good uh, friendship. And uh, he did a coffee table style book. I don't know if you've seen that yet or not, but it's full of pictures. And in fact, there's a, a card in there, a business card that says uh, Mickey Garagiola, brother of Joe Garagiola. Uh, <laughs> So he always uh, made light of that, that uh, he always thought Joe got high billing. And uh, but Mickey was so good. I used to love it when we were doing TV work and uh, he would come over and be with Larry and I when we were doing the SICW explosion tapes. And he would sit there and we'd let him get in on the play by play from time to time. But he he was witty. Um, you'd always talk about how uh, on a, the Sunday morning wrestling at the chase, he, they had a platform they had him set up on and he always kept one foot off and his job was if they came outside the ring, he was to grab that bell and take off running out on Linda Boulevard because that bell was everything Sam Butchnick, you know, in fact, we have that bell to this day. And, um, but Mickey always bragged about how, yeah, that was my, my most important job. I had to save the bell. <laughs> so, but Mickey, Mickey was a household name. You know, he was a waiter by trade. Worked at uh, several of the uh, Italian restaurants for Jerry's, and uh, and you know, the first time Sam Muchnick ever went to him and said, "Hey, I'd like for you to be a ring announcer." He said, "I, I don't know about ring announcing." And Sam says, "You can read, can't you?" And he said, "Well, yeah." <laughs> he says, "Well, he said, you know, be down to the studio uh, next week." And Mickey said, "Well, Sam," he said, "That's." Saturday, he said, that's my busiest day at the restaurant. He said, you mean to say after all these years, your brother didn't tell you we taped those things on Sunday afternoons? <laughs> <laughs> secrets so, of the trade. Secrets of the trade. That secrets of the Yeah, that's it. I'll tell you. And in the rest of this history with Mickey, I mean, he, uh, I used to have the ambulance companies, you know, Ryan, and uh, I would go by his house on a Saturday night and pick him up in the ambulance. And gosh, the first night I pulled up there, the neighbors just came out of their houses. They, they thought something was wrong with poor Mickey. <laughs> and he'd come hobbling down the steps and get in the front seat of the ambulance. And, and he'd just wave at him like it was a parade, you know. But that was the joke in his neighborhood. Said, oh, there must be wrestling tonight. Herb's here picking up Mickey. And I'd take him down to South Broadway with us. And uh, we'd sit there. And, and, and he loved Larry. Uh, he thought Larry was a walking encyclopedia. He said, all you'd have to do... If you mentioned uh, somebody like Gene Kaniski, he could tell you how many kids Gene had, what school they went to, when they graduated. He said, boy, that guy's a walking encyclopedia. And then he'd say, and Herb, you're just about as good as he is. <laughs> I said, well, it's good to be in good company. <laughs> so now, You mentioned Larry, and I think it would be remiss if, if I would also not have to throw in the fact that part of my childhood, the first voice I can remember coming out of a television set was Larry Matisix. That's yeah. the truth. My earliest memory of television and he had such a distinct very 
sophisticated, kind of nasally voice, but it was just it was just right for wrestling. When he would get excited, it was perfect. He punctuated the action perfectly. But at the same time, he wasn't just an announcer. He was almost like a, in some ways, like an adopted son to Sam. And in some ways, the way that he ran the office and he became so much part of Sam's life and his family and, and his operations there, they became, it was such a bond between the two of them that Larry was essentially an extension of Sam, was he not? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like I said, 16 years old, didn't even have a driver's license when he first uh, went to the office at Sam. He he wrote an article, uh, a letter to Sam. And then when Sam called and said, hey, I want you to come to the office, his dad, uh, Edwin, had to drive him over there because Larry didn't even have a driver's <laughs> license at that time. Uh, and, uh, I, I got a copy of his first check that he ever got from Sam much, Nick, for $25, uh, on an article that he had written. So, um, uh, but yeah, Larry and Sam were, you know, like you said, an adopted, uh, adopted relationship there. But, um, I, I just can't say enough about how they bonded and how Sam would open up. I mean, when I used to go to the office with Larry, he would say, you can go through any file you want. You can read anything you want. The only rule is nothing leaves this office. And what you hear in this office stays in this office. And I've got all those files to this day. Because um, when Sam passed away, Larry got them. And then when Larry passed away, they, they were given to me. So, I mean, I've got uh, all the results from every match that ever took place in St. Louis, whether it be on wrestling at the Chase or at the Keel Auditorium or at the Checkadrome. Uh, as you know, Ryan, Larry, and I reproduced the uh, 12 volumes of the classic wrestling at the Chase tapes. We were working on volume 13 when he passed away. Um, and then recently, I just acquired all of Dick DeBruiser's uh, TV uh, uh, footage that we wow. will be doing something with that in the future here. But um, yeah, but yeah, Larry, uh, Larry was that adopted son to Sam. And uh, um I, I, the one thing I never said anything bad about Sam and the only thing I wish that he'd have done when he got ready to retire is that he would have turned those reins over to Larry instead of uh, the Kansas City organization. Yeah, and that caused a big, and I did kind of want to progress into the 80s after Sam retired and moved on. That did kind of cause sort of, I, I don't want to say, well, I guess you would say the collapse of St. Louis wrestling for a while because Vince essentially, Larry almost had no choice but to go to work for Vince. At a certain point, didn't he? Yeah, we, you know, Larry had went on his own. We did uh, yeah. about nine months of uh, Larry's promotion, uh, and was doing good. I mean, we had, uh, of course, Bruiser Brody was with us, uh, Nikolai Volkov, uh, Professor Tora Tanaka, uh, uh, Bam Bam Gordy had just joined in with us, and uh, what a lot of people didn't realize back then, Fritz von Erich was actually helping Larry behind the scenes. And we were going to be bringing the Freeburg and Von Eric feud to St. Louis. Uh, wow. And that's why, why Bam Bam had joined us and Buddy Roberts was coming up. And they were kind of staggering it to, for the storylines. Um, and, of course, what happened is Vince come in and bought the TV rights out from underneath Larry. And then he switched over to Channel 30. And, uh, and of course, just couldn't compete with what Vince was doing. And, of course, Larry uh, Larry's promotion went under at that time. And then they offered Larry a... You know, I guess Vince thought, well, it'd be better have him inside uh, peeing out than outside peeing in, you know. And uh, <laughs> and so Larry worked for uh, uh, for Vince for 10 years. And, and I can tell you, I know more than anybody other than Pat, Larry's wife, that he hated every day of it. 
um, because of the difference in um, Sam and Vince. And uh, in fact, I've got the uh, complete uh, book that Larry was writing before he passed away, except for the final chapter. And uh, the book's story was the difference between Sam Muchnick and Vince McMahon. And when he first pitched the idea to me, I said, well, it's going to be the hardest book out of all you've written. It's going to be the hardest book to write because you love Sam so much and you despise Vince so much. But you got to give the devil his dues. And that's going to be hard for you to do. And so and he did an excellent job. Like I said, Pat and I were the only ones that's laid eyes on the on the book. In fact, I know what the last chapter was going to be about. And I keep saying I'm going to finish it for her. And then let her, you know, we'll publish it and, and get it out there and she can go out and do some signings. But because it's an interesting, uh, there was things there, like I said, that we had to have him tone down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but it was hard to do when you spent from 16 years old all the way up your adult life with a guy like Sam Muchnick. And then you work for 10 years for a guy like Vince. Man, you talk about the difference in a Cadillac and a Volkswagen uh it was it was there and so but i think people would be interested in reading that and so hopefully i'll get that done and and get it out there i just every time i start to look at it i i think of larry every day there's not a day goes by and uh it's just uh but hopefully i can get it done and let the fans see what he what he thought bubbled him and you know i i, I don't want to gloss over anything that's happened with the with the last 20 years or thir actually 30 years or so with south broadway and then you moved over to illinois where you've been you're doing the shows with east current of course you're all over the place you're, you're you can be anywhere in st louis or on the east side you know um but i was uh, around you know and, and actually talked with you and larry at the end and and wrote a eulogy when larry passed because <clears throat> for me it was a part of my childhood as i've said you know um uh for you it was a best friend and so for seeing you go through that at the time and at genuine um bond that's something that you know wrestling is always called there, there's always a word that people use you know fake uh nothing about your relationship with larry was fake and to me as i sat down to write that uh, when larry passed it was all i could think about was you because as you said you couldn't you couldn't hardly separate larry from mickey well at the same time to me i could never separate you and larry you know to me the, it was always you two every show everywhere everything it was urban larry so uh i i guess from my perspective of it being someone one of the younger guys that came along and was able to kind of follow you guys footsteps and, and learn from watching you it, it really had a profound effect on me of thinking you know that's one thing you can take away from wrestling. You may never get rich. You may never uh, be famous, but you'll always be able to walk away and say that those true friends that were with you all those years, they are really friends in this business. If they're with you that for that long of a haul. And I couldn't have said it any better. And I remember when you wrote that and, and like I said, it, it, it gets to be uh, very uh, touching at times when you think about, uh, and I, for instance, last night, you know, you get a good crowd, you get where they're talking about the Bruiser Brody, Larry Matasek, Tony Costa Memorial. And, you know, uh, some fans want to know how did I tie those three people together? Well, you know, the common bond was the wrestling business. Uh, and of course, you know, it, it started with, like I said, Larry, who introduced me to Sam and then Larry introduced me to Brody. And of course, Tony Costa, my dear friend from South Broadway Athletic Club 
traveled the road sort of thing from the boot hills of Missouri up to Indianapolis. Uh, sometimes three, four, five nights a week we were doing shows. Um, you know, his wife and my wife, best friends, you know, we go out to dinner, you know, uh, uh, go play bingo together, you know. Uh, uh, so when Larry, uh, when uh, uh, Brody passed away, I came up with a let's let's keep his legacy alive, the history and what he meant to the St. Louis region and around the world, basically. Um, and this was way back before uh, all the social media buzz uh, started. But and of course, I didn't do anything with any time. I didn't do anything without notifying their next of kin, like Barbara. When I called up and pitched the idea to her, she said, hey, it's great if, if you want to do it. And I said, as long as I got a breath in me, I'm going to make sure that nobody uh, that's in earshot forgets about Bruiser Brody, King Kong Brody or Frank Goodish. And I think we're doing a good job of doing that. And she'll tell you the same thing. Then Larry passes away. Another shock. Uh, I mean, uh, the week before he passed away, he was booking our show the following week. And wow. I mean, he was putting together the, the biggest show of our year that we was having. I was sitting at the uh, nursing home with him and he was sitting there and having it all penciled out and said, oh, you got to get this done and we got to make sure so-and-so gets this done. And that's a week before. And then they ended up putting him on hospice. And it was like you just tore his heart out of him. And then seven days later, he was gone. So I said, now we're going to add him into the Bruiser Brody Larry Matasek Memorial, which was only fitting. And then when uh, my friend Tony passed away, the same thing. Uh, he, When I booked Bruiser Brody on a card, one of the first things he would ask her during the conversation Hey, is my little friend, a little dynamite, because that's what we call Tony, is a little dynamite going to be there? Uh, because Brody was about seven foot tall and Tony was about five foot four, you know. <laughs> and in fact, there was a picture out there I posted this morning of him standing over Tony. Um, so people, some fans who didn't know, wanted to know how that tie-in came. And that's why we called it for the last several years the uh, Bruiser Brody, Larry Madison, and Tony Costa Memorial. And, um, you know, um, there's a reason and a uh, rhyme for doing that because they meant so much to the St. Louis wrestling. Tony ran South Broadway Athletic Club for all those years. I was there for over 30 years myself doing their TV work for him. And then we were doing the cross promotions, the MMWA and the SICW. There are some people out there, again, facts speak the truth. Uh, and if, 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 I can go back and document all the shows that I did at South Broadway Athletic Club. There used to be a sign hanging up there that said MMWASICW. Since Tony's passed away, that's changed now, which is fine. You know, we everybody does their own thing. Uh, you don't ponder on it. But I'm going to continue. Uh, uh, like I said, uh, Barbara Goodish gave me the okay to do it. Uh, uh, when Larry Matisic passed away, uh, his lovely wife, who we still help to this day, Pat, uh, she'll be at the show on May 13th. And then Tony Costa's uh, oldest uh, son, uh, John, uh, I called him and said, hey, I want to honor your dad. Because uh, John was living up here then when he passed away. He since moved back to Florida. But he said, hey, dad loved you. You guys had so much together. So, yes, if anybody says that you can't use her name, you tell them to call me. And uh, <laughs> so that's why it's called the Bruiser Brody Laramatic Tony Costa Memorial. 
And then to tie it in with this is the 64th year anniversary if wrestling at the Chase would have stayed on television. Wow. So we will be playing videos all day long on May 13th of all those classic tapes that we've got, uh, along with the Hall of Fame. Jerry Briscoe, who was big in St. Louis with his brother Jack Briscoe. Some of the biggest feuds ever, Briscoe's against the Funks, took place right here in St. Louis. And then, of course, uh, uh, about 10 big matches uh, uh, rounded off by about a 30-man battle royal. I think that's a full day. For See, now that's a price. That's a true wrestling promoter. He he walked down the road of nostalgia, and then he got right back to the event. That's a that's a veteran right there. And I want to back out. Speaking of that, I have been I have been walk taking walks down memory lane here, and I know Nathan is excited about the event coming up. I know I'm planning on being there. I want to get back home to St. Louis on May 13th. St. Louis uh, Aviator Hotel, correct? I'm I'm I'll mess up the address if I say it if I try to remember it, but I because I'll end up map questioning it. But uh, or whatever you yeah. know, the, the I, I know it by, I know it by heart. Sixty nine twenty one South Lindbergh Boulevard. South Lindbergh. I knew it was South <laughs> there Lindbergh. we go. I've only but, uh, typed that and said that about a million times the last couple of months. But the main thing is the names that are going to be there because it doesn't matter if you live in the St. Louis area or not. This might be an event you want to fly in for because there are so many people. And you mentioned uh, Jerry Briscoe and JBL is going to be there. Um, I mean Herb. Please uh, feel free, and Nathan, please feel free, because I know you're going to get all giddy and excited when you hear of some of these. Of course, I will. Oh, I know I will. <laughs> yeah, here, I have. I've got the poster right here, and I'll just read off uh, some of them. The Nasty Boys, if you've heard of the Nasty Boys. <laughs> I'm done already, Herb. I'm done. You can have I, I get eight third about them already. Um, th there's a gentleman uh, that uh, was really uh, big back in the day, Len Denton, the Grappler. Uh, yep. back started a career in Kansas City and used the loaded boot gimmick. Uh, the Brooklyn Brawler is going to be with us. Lombardi. <laughs> uh, Buff the Stuff Bagwell oh. will be there. Uh, Tugboat. Do you remember Tugboat? I remember uh, Tugboat. And of course, uh, Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. Uh, will be there. Uh, Nard the Barbarian, uh, John Nord. Uh, and of course, a great, great guy that everybody just loves, and Teddy Long, WWE legend. Uh, him and My his co-host, co uh, <laughs> Mac Davis, are going to be doing their after hours road show from there. Uh, Stan the Lariat Hansen will be there. Uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Uh, James Beard, one of the best uh, officials in the business, did a lot of work with the Von Eric clan down at World Class. He's going to be there. In fact, he's going to be a uh, in action that night as a referee for us. So, wow. and of course, a guy that I uh, I would swin the seas for is uh, uh, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, uh, will be joining us. Uh, the Hebner the referee, another all-time uh, referee. Uh, I mentioned Jerry Briscoe, uh, JBL, WWE legend. Is going to be there, and of course, one guy that's booked to be there, but now he's having some health issues. But Black Bart, uh, wow, yeah, he's wow. having some health issues now. As of right now, he's still booked, but um, if not, then we'll get a replacement in for Black Bart. We want to wish him well and uh, get him a speedy recovery. Uh, Bobby Fulton, uh, one half of the Fantastics, is going to be joining us there, and of course, if you ever heard about the AWA. Uh, wrestling. Uh, Greg Gagne is going to be joining us. Vern's son. 
and of course, another great friend of mine, um, uh, and I'm honored to induct him into the class of 2023, J.J. Dillon, who wow. everybody remembers, went on to be the uh, leader of the Four Horsemen. Um, Barry Horowitz, you know, the guy that patted himself on the back mm -hmm. all the time. Great guy, Barry is. Uh, Bushwhacker Luke will be joining us. And of course, we all know what just happened with uh, Bush, where our condolences go out. I, in fact, I just sent uh, Luke a message this morning. I've been talking to him all week since that happened. But, uh, but Luke was scheduled to join us there. And then Enzo uh, will be joining us. Uh, so it's going to be a, a great there. And then Victoria, anybody remember Victoria? Mm -hmm. yes. uh, one of the best in the business. And of course, uh, this guy, uh, I had, I had listed about two or three guests cause this thing, you got to understand this thing started off. I was going to do five or six legends Okay. and, and this thing grew legs overnight and we're <laughs> up to, I think we're up to 43 legends and guests right now. Um, but this guy called me on the phone one evening about eight o'clock and said, Hey, did I make you mad? I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, I see this big event you got. And he said, you haven't called me. And I said, well, Ted, I can't afford you. And I said, you know, everybody's got a price to pay for the million dollar man. And, uh, so Ted says, Herb, he says, what have I told you in the past? He said, there is no Ted DBS or there is no million dollar man without St. Louis. And because I was there when for, Ted had his first match in St. Louis and uh, and he's always held St. Louis in the highest regard. A uh, real quick story, if you got a minute, of course, a year and a half about. Yeah, I guess it was a year, year and a half ago. I had booked a show in St. Louis for a private organization and they wanted um, Ric Flair. And so I made the arrangements to get Ric Flair and. Uh, that was right back when the story broke about the plane ride from hell. You remember mm. that? Yeah. So uh, 48 hours before uh, showtime. And, and keep in mind, I, I had told this organization that I wasn't comfortable with, with this because of past experiences. So uh, 48 hours before showtime, uh, we get a call about 7 o'clock in the evening from uh, the um, agent giving us the song and dance that I was expecting, uh, that Rick wasn't going to be there. And I was smart enough to have two contracts. I had one with the organization to provide the wrestling event that night. And then I hooked them up with the contract with Flair's agent. So I really didn't have anything to do with Rick not showing up, but because, you know, this is, this is a big organization. This is, uh, lawyers, doctors, judges belong to this organization. It's a big private, uh, big thing. And uh, so I wanted to make them happy. So, man, everybody's in a panic and they're calling me, what are we going to do? We, we're sold out. Uh, we got to have somebody there. And I was able to pick up the phone and call Ted DBS and say, hey, I need a favor. He wow. says, oh, because I had booked him originally for this show. And the powers to be with this organization said, well, you know, we'd like to have Rick. I said, no, you want to have Ted. Mm. So then I had to call Ted back and say, they want Rick. And he said, okay, I understand. Well, then now remember, I'm calling 48 hours before the show saying, Ted, I need you. And he goes, oh, so you want me to pinch it for Rick? <laughs> I said, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I'm going to get you a good payday for it. 
in 48 hours, he booked a flight and showed up in for that show and blew the roof off of it. So that's the kind of guy. Ted DiBiase would. That's the kind of guy Ted DiBiase is. And so he will be joining us on Saturday, May the 13th. And I'm looking so forward to seeing Ted again. And uh, he's a, he's a, he's a class act. And anytime I've called him, I, I do some uh, fundraisers for uh, church organizations and he's come in and helped do them. And uh, always a great guy, great stories. And, uh, uh, and then uh, we got another guy who was from the St. Louis uh, area, Kansas City, Rick uh, McCord. Uh, mm-hmm. Did a lot of work out with Mike George and uh, Roger Kirby and Bulldog Bob Brown. I uh, was looking for him. I mean, of course, Virgil. I, f- I forgot to mention Virgil's name. Ted DiBiase being there, Virgil's going to join us. Uh, and I think I said Stan the Lariat Hansen will be there with us. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, it's it's a, and then of course um, Darla Stags. I don't know Ryan if you remember Darla. Yep. yep. She is going to receive the uh, Sam Muchnick Award this year. We started mm-hmm. that last year, and Barbara Goodish got it because last year I felt that here's a young lady that went through what she did, and her husband meant so much to the St. Louis area. Um. And she, I'll let her tell you the story when we get her on here uh, to show you the kind of guy that Sam Muchnick really was. Um, but I thought, what better way to give her a little uh, that a boy and a pat on the back? And so we awarded her the Sam Muchnick Award last year. But this year, Barbara, uh, the Darla Staggs, uh, quick story with her. In 1959, when Pat O'Connor took on Dick Hutton for the NWA title in St. Louis, she attended that match. Her father. Oh, guess who's calling me on the phone right now? Hello. I think we had a miscommunication. You never told me what time and <laughs> and I didn't get any link or anything. Okay. I just saw the well, phone. Well, okay. Let me tell you something. I'm live right now, and I've been okay. just talking about how lovely you are. <laughs> and, and what we're going to do is that uh, these gentlemen, uh, both Ryan and Nick, uh, want to reschedule it at your convenience. Uh, <laughs> no, I knew it was Easter and I knew we probably had a miscommunication. But see, Ryan, I told you I wasn't lying. I had connections Hi. with her. Hi, Miss Barb. <laughs> I love you, Herb. I, I saw that phone and I went, my heart just went, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Miss Barb. How are you? <laughs> Okay, it's a great show, and I'd love to love to please reschedule. Yeah, we we'll will. Do that. We're going to finish this up, and then we will reschedule it. And you enjoy your Easter, and uh, uh, tell Sam I said hello. Happy Easter, everybody! I love you. I love you, babe. Bye. I told you. Amazing. I told you. You got to leave if, that if in. If you want to edit that out, you can, but I wouldn't. I'd leave it in there. No, oh, we will it. be. We will be uh, amazing. Yeah. But the uh, wife of Bruiser Brody calls in the middle of us recording the show. That's that's show history right there. That's forever. Yeah. Yeah, But but, and I think I mentioned Stan the Larry Hanson is going to be there. Great guy. Bunch of stories uh, that he'll have to tell. And uh, and I talked about uh, Darla. I was saying that Dick Hutton against Pat O'Connor 1959. Her mom and dad are sitting at ringside and he is holding her in his arms. And when Pat O'Connor beats Dick the Hutton, Dick Hutton, he gets up and runs around the ring as she is in his arms. So when I say she is a wrestling fan and she knows everybody, she's uh, on the executive board of the Cauliflower Alley, 
club. Um, she's out there with us in Vegas every year. She's originally from uh, the Granite City, Illinois area, but she attended every wrestling card. She was a regular at wrestling at the Chase. Uh, she's got a wealth of knowledge herself. So this year she's getting that sandwich and award. If you could, uh, Herb, I'd love to know if you could tell the audience what the, the Sam Hushnick Award is. That would be amazing. What it what it in, emphasizes? It's a, it's a, a plaque. It's basically for somebody who has been like her, a diehard wrestling fan who has uh, contributed their life to supporting uh, the wrestling that Sam was so much in charge of. As I said, Sam Muchnick was a peacekeeper in a lot of people's eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the guy that controlled the National Wrestling Alliance title. When promoters across the country uh, wanted to have a feud of who was going to be the champion, <laughs> Sam would sit him down or get on a phone and say, wait a minute, we've got to do what's best for our fans. And I always use the analogy that Sam was a guy that uh, knew how to divide the pie up equally. Okay. Uh, And in other words, this slice is for Ryan, this slice is for uh, Nate, this slice is for Herb. And so there may be a little sliver left of that pie. And instead of Sam taking that sliver for himself, he would divide that sliver up between Herb and Ryan and Nate. Uh, And that that's how he became anybody that's ever wrestled for Sam Muchnick will tell you. He was a honest man. He was respected. He was a good payoff man. If he told you your payday that night was uh, $2,000.23, when you counted your money, there was $2,000.23 to the penny. Wow. Wow. Where some promoters would say, here's 23 cents and I'll pay you the $2,000 later or I'll catch you <laughs> at the next show. Uh, that wasn't Sam Muchnick. And that wasn't Larry Matasek, and that sure in the heck isn't Herb Simmons. Um, um, in 50 years, I made one mistake in a payoff, and it wasn't me. I blamed my wife. <laughs> and, of course, that was with my good friend Bob Orton, and I had to eat crow. And I don't mind eating crow as long as I have something to say about how it's cooked. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, But it was an honest mistake on, on, on our part, and uh, that Bob and I are – but that in 50 years, that's not bad. I know guys that do that every night that they have a show and the boys go down the road and don't have enough money to get gas. So, yeah. Okay. Well, a question from myself. So you mentioned it then, uh, Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. Uh, tell us the relationship we have with, well, in general, the Ortons, because of course there are, are famous, the entire family, you know, and, uh, Randall Keith Orton and, uh, you know, uh, Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. and Sr., the entire family. So tell me how the Ortons work with yourself, how you got involved with them, and uh, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, Bob Orton Sr. Uh, was on the first wrestling card in 1959 uh, in St. Louis for wrestling at the Chase. Uh, and, then of course, uh, he was one of the toughest in the business back in the day. A uh, very tall, lanky guy, but boy, he could tie you up like a pretzel and uh, he could wrestle or he could brawl, whatever you wanted to do, whatever needed to be done. And of course, along comes uh, Bob Orton Jr., who was on, I want to say, three or four WrestleManias. I think it was like Wrestle 1, 2, 3, and maybe 23. I can't remember for sure. But, you know, him and Roddy Piper had such a run together as the ace. In fact, 
I kid him all the time now that he's a He's the longest running guy that's had the brokenest arm I've ever seen, you know. <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, his arm just got broke not too long ago. We had to put the cast back on it for a match that we had. And, uh, but, and of course, his brother, Barry O, another uh, guy that uh, did some work with uh, Vince's organization, never did quite get the push that he probably should have got. Uh, but, and of course, then come along Randy, who, um, I remember the night that uh, Bob called me and said, hey, you know how kids are. Uh, they think the old man don't know anything. Uh, do you have anybody that uh, can work out with Randy down at the South Broadway Athletic Club? And at that time, uh, Gary Jackson, who still works for me this day, uh, uh, Ron Powers, who's coming back to be a special guest referee on June the 3rd, uh, are at South Broadway Athletic Club. And so Randy came down there and they worked out with him. And if you go on when it was on there uh, for at least up until a year ago, I know it was on there that if you went to Randy's uh, webpage, it even says in there how he had his first uh, professional match at South Broadway Athletic Club. And uh, in fact, every time I uh, talk to him, I remind him, I said, hey, send me the check, will you? <laughs> but, against ace i've just looked it up here Herb, against ace strange there we go yeah yeah so but but randy uh and, and of course bob bob runs the ace wrestling academy uh on tuesdays and thursday nights for uh, sicw uh he's training the next generation of uh, wrestlers in fact we've got a tag team uh, uh we call them the top guns that uh, that's been out there now for the last uh, four or five months uh getting their feet wet and uh they're going to be uh be a, a nice team to be reckoned with in the future uh, uh they've been down to uh, our good friends at new breed wrestling in southern missouri uh, doing some work there um and that's kind of what you know i come from the days of territorial wrestling mm -hmm. uh where you could work a guy or a tag team here for six months and or a year and then you could send them down to the von erics or you could send them up to Stu hart in canada or down to paul bosch you know uh or you know that was territorial wrestling and people always ask me well why don't that get done now well first of all you got promoters who think about just themselves they don't think about the business mm -hmm. they don't think about the workers um i get accused um my locker room about several years ago now instituted a kind of a unwritten rule that if you work for us you don't work within 25 miles of us and okay. I take more hell over that than Carter's got pills. Uh, back in the day, you didn't work 200 to 300 miles away from another promotion. And so people say, well, why? What's the difference? Well, if Ryan and Nathan, if you work for me and Ryan works for a promotion five miles down the road and I'm sending you down there, but at me, you're my big baby. And when I send you down there, Nathan's using you as his big heel. We're we're in the that close together. We're we're drawing the same fans. So now you got the fans sitting there saying, "Oh, wait a minute! Just last week, he was a good guy in the main event. Down here, he's a curtain jerker. What's going on here?" So it makes a lot of sense to people who understand the business. Mm -hmm. um, when you when you walk into the SICW locker room as a worker, you know beforehand what's going to happen tonight as far as who you're going against and i'm not knocking these other organizations it's just that they they treat it as a hobby they treat it as they don't respect the talent 
And if you don't respect the talent, you're not respecting the fans because the talents is what the talent is what's going to make you get the fans back in there. So if, if you continue to see the same talent over and over, you can only mix that bag up so many times that people say, here we are again tonight, A's against B. We've seen that 2,000 times already. Um, so that's why we try to bring in, uh, you know, we had a newcomer in last night from Champaign, Illinois, that uh, is a military guy that just came back from the Middle East uh, uh, doing what's best for our country, uh, loves professional wrestling, did a good job. Gary Jackson, you know, retired uh, from uh, the National Guard uh, Reserves. Um, we used to sneak him into uh, wrestling at the chase uh, when he was uh, 15 years old. You had to be 16 to get in there, but we would sneak <laughs> him in. And here he is in 2023, still uh, in, still out there working. He was in the main event last night. Wow. Uh, so wow. Uh, guys, and, and he hasn't changed a bit since the first time we snuck him into the, <laughs> to the uh, wrestling at the chase. Uh, but uh, again, and Ryan, you know this, you've been around long enough to know there, there's promotions on every corner that they open up and say, oh, I want to be in the business. And they, they last for a little bit and then they make it hard for reputable companies to come in. And I'm not just saying we're the only reputable companies out there because there are other ones out there. Uh, but we try to do it old school. We try to give the fans what they want. And I think that shows because, of, as you said, we we're going to be back in Sandoval, Illinois this year uh centralia uh, you know we're going to the chase park plaza hotel in october mm-hmm. you know the only other wrestling organization that's went back in there since they left and i'm talking about sam Muchnick, and then when vince left there was the nwa the lake Corrigan's group they did 73 and 74 there uh but we'll be there in october at the wow. coruscant room same place it started back in 1959 Wow. And that's my first time back there, and I'm honored to do that, but I've been asked to do that. I'm not going to say no, because it's another uh, historical moment that I can go in there and say that this is where Sam Nick started. This is where Larry Matasek, and then they went behind the wall into the KPLR studio. Because what a lot of fans don't know was before it was on KPLR TV Channel 11, it was actually on Channel 5, KSDK out of St. Louis. You know, that the wrestling used to come filter in through Chicago into the St. Louis market. And then it got on KPLR. And that deal between the owner of KPLR and Sam Muchnick, that agreement took place on an airplane. They actually wrote out their agreement on a napkin and never had an official contract. Now, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice today that we could shake hands and say and then have it run that long? Amazing. I got, I, got, I got one sidebar story, and I know Herb can back me up on this. It, Larry did not completely disappear off the radar later on when WCW, when the leadership for WCW came up for grabs. Larry's name was one of the people that was thrown out there as potentially being a president of WCW. But one of the people who did end up running WCW was Jim Hurd, former producer of Wrestling at the Chase. So there was a lot of ties there between the wrestling at the chase folks and WCW in the early days of WCW. Yeah. Well, and, and I was sitting in Larry's house the day that Jim Hurd called him and made him the offer to come down and run it. Uh, but he was going to wow. have to move to Atlanta. And of course, Larry said, yeah, Herb and I'd be more than glad to come down. And I'm going, no, no, I'm not moving to Atlanta. No way. I'm not doing that. Uh, and that never did materialize, which I'm, you know, hindsight, foresight, but, um, you know, as you know, Ryan, the business is a cutthroat 
industry. Maybe not as bad. It's, it's kind of back then it was really bad. If you were an outcast and trying to make it into business with KFA and all that, it was so much different nowadays. It's just, it's just that nobody knows what the business meant. And that's kind of what I told uh, Mr. Corrigan when him and I was talking about the wrestling at the Shea States. If you don't know what the NWA stood for, it's kind of hard to promote it. I know what it stood for. To me, it was the greatest. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody was involved in it. I mean, you stop and think it. You know, you were talking a while ago about Larry Matasek and his play-by-play. I always say that if you had some type of vision impairment, he could still make you mm-hmm. visually see what was going on just by the way he would call the matches, the tone of his voice. I mean, he made you feel like you were up close and personal. Um, but, but then you had so many other ones, Gordon Soley, you know, people like that, that uh, uh, everybody had their own style, their own uniqueness, and everybody wanted to say in their area, they were the best. And that's, that's fine. We all do that. You know, we all think the St. Louis Cardinals, are the greatest, even though they're from St. Louis. I live in Illinois. Why? And I think in the Chicago Cubs are the best. Well, <laughs> you know, some years I do, some years I don't. <laughs> this year, I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do. <laughs> but uh, but so we're, it's our right to decide what we want. But Larry will always be the greatest in the business to me because of uh, not just because I'm, I was friends with him. Uh, when he called the Downey Brook, it was a Downey Brook. Hmm. You know, uh, you knew that it was breaking down in, in that studio. Uh, and when he climbed into that ring at Keel Auditorium, he got as round, just as round of applause as somebody like Johnny Valentine, who would walk down that aisle with that long red robe on and get in the ring and have that blonde hair. And he'd walk to the center of the ring, put his hands on his hips and do a 360. And for five minutes, he got a standing ovation. Well, when Larry did that with this plaid uh, suit on back in the day, uh, you know, that's all you'd hear. Clap, clap, clap for Larry Madison. Could he always say, I'm nobody. I'm just a ring announcer. I, you know, you're a hometown name. Believe me. Wow. Wow. Amazing. That's. That's the tradition I grew up with. That's it's a wealth of knowledge. But, hey, but, but Ryan, when you think about it, would you have wanted it any other way? No, not at no. all. And, you know, you, you talked about the tr- tradition and all that. And I think one of the things that I learned uh, being lucky enough to kind of learn from people in wrestling too is, and you talked about the differences is just the difference in locker rooms. I remember when I first went into locker room in St. Louis, being scared to ask, you know, be make too much noise or be in the way because you had to be very respectful. And now I go to shows and people's kids are running back and forth in the back, you know, it's, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying the environment to try to explain to people today, what the environment was then is very, very difficult. What I love about what you do and what, everything that's gone on with St. Louis wrestling is it's still been able to hold on to, even though the world's changed and wrestling's obviously changed, it's been able to hold on to a lot of the same values that Sam Munchnik uh, laid out and Larry carried on. And now that you carry on today and that we'll see on the 13th of May come full circle. Once again, you know, that's what makes well, it beautiful. Well, and I got to tell you, I, uh, a week ago, early last week, I'm sitting in the office and I get a, my phone goes off and I, I don't recognize the number and I answer it and you've heard the name Eddie Mansfield. I know. Oh yes. So I answered and it's Eddie Mansfield and I've not seen or talked to Eddie since probably 83, 84 when Larry, cause he was, he done some work for Larry. And of course we all know the story with Eddie, uh, what happened. And then, but again, 
great talk. He's doing some TV work, some production work. And he said, I was sitting in the uh, production studio with the uh, director. And he said, for some reason, you, 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 I watch what you do. I follow your show. He said, I just had to call and tell you, thank you for what you're doing to keep it alive. And so I'm thinking to myself, what Eddie got, what Eddie did is no different than what Vince did. But if you stop and think about it, other than Vince made a lot of money, how he did it. Vince said early on, I'm going to either own everything or I'll turn it into a carnival circus. And, you know, we had Doink the Clown. We had the Insane Posse. We, you know, uh, and again, you can't, you got to give the devils his dues. I mean, look at what he's done. Wouldn't you like to just made the deal he made <laughs> and have that money in your bank account? So you can't fault him. And Larry always said that. Larry said, you can't fault the guy. Everything he touches, you know, even the XFL uh, made him money, yep. even though it was a flop. But uh, but Eddie and, and he I sold I talked. it for even more. He sold it yeah. for even more. Yeah. So Eddie and I talked, and uh, and but I just thought here's a guy that I hadn't talked to in all this time, but he follows what we're doing at SICW. You know, piggybacking on what you're saying about what we're trying to do, um, and when you can sit there and get calls from these guys that's that were there in St. Louis and all over, um, and that SICW has got the respect of them. I think it says a lot for not just me, but for my locker room that go out there and bust their tail each and every show. Cause as you said early on, Ryan, you know, nobody's getting rich in this business. It's the yeah. passion. It's the love that we all have for it that continues to do this. I mean, here we are sitting here, uh, talking about, uh, wrestling, um, and we could be doing anything else we wanted to, but the love and the passion we have for it is what keeps, keeps that drive going. Mm-hmm. And, and worldwide as well, with me sitting over here in the UK too. It, it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's everything. So it's 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 crazy. Well, Herb, look, we could go on all night, and I would love to. Do not get me wrong, but I know we have limited time. Please, this is your moment. Tell the fans because I will be honest with you. Whilst we've been chatting. I have just quickly looked at flights. You're selling me on it. So tell us when the, when the the big event that's coming up, talk to us when it is, where it is, and how people can get involved. Well, you have just solidified what I've been telling on the fans for the last uh, several months now, that this is getting uh, across the globe attention. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> where are you at right now? I'm in London. I'm in, well, Oxford. Oh, yeah. So, so, so now I can not feel bad when I tell everybody, everybody's talking about this everywhere. Uh, the big day is Saturday, May the 13th. Um, it's at the aviator hotel and ballroom in South St. Louis. It's, uh, the address 6921 South Lindbergh Boulevard. Uh, it's an old holiday Inn that's been remodeled. They've got about 150 rooms. Uh, my understanding, they've got uh, reservations coming from Canada, California, uh, Indianapolis, and Texas so far, fans that are coming in. Uh, so I would suggest that people, if you're going to uh, get on there and get your reservations now. And if you go on there and look at the pass package at SICW.org, uh, you know, the other thing I, I said I wanted to do is keep it very reasonable for the fans uh, because – I want the fans to come and be able to get in, uh, enjoy the day, meet the legends that they want, knowing that these legends, and again, you know, these guys growing up and in the business, they didn't have 401ks. 
Uh, they didn't have health insurance. So this is kind of a way that they're supplementing their income. And so I see some of these fan fests where it costs you $100, $200 to get in, and then you have to spend $100, $200 for autographs. So we said, we're going to keep this reasonable. I want uh, 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 quantity. I want fans to be there. Um, and with these guys all working for me, and I can't say enough for a couple of the vendors that are helping us, GT Collectibles, uh, Scott Wilder's Promotions, that's bringing in a few of these guys. Um, you know, they go all over the country doing this, but they've all said there's never been one of this size that's been in the St. Louis area. But that Saturday, May 13th, the doors will open at 10 a.m. in the morning. Um, you know, we'll, like I said, we'll have them out. We got some vendors uh, going to be there selling their shirts and their tapes or their figures whatever they may have but then uh, the ballroom uh you'll have to have a wristband to get in there because that's where all the legends will be set up um uh, but then we'll do we're going to try to schedule a question and answer session in the afternoon for an hour or so with a few of the boys um then we'll do the uh, hall of fame induction that e evening just before the sicw event takes place um we just announced last night the main event for that uh, night, not only the Bruiser Brody Battle Royal, but a telecon. Uh, and Ryan, I know you've heard that name before. Uh, he's a he's a takeoff of the old Abdullah the Butcher. Mm -hmm. uh, wow, he is my classic champion right now, and he was trained by uh, the late great Harley Race, and um, he will be in action defending that title against the Big Texan. And they had a tag match last night, and the winner of the tag match got to pick the stipulation of what type of match it was going to be. So the Big Texan and Gary Jackson was victorious last night, and so the Big Texan uh, has demanded it be a uh, Texas death match, uh, oh. same old style. And, of course, I don't know if you know the history of a Texas death match, but it was founded by uh, Dory Funk Sr., and so later on this week, uh, I will be interviewing Dory Funk Jr. And he will be explaining uh, how that came about and the rules of what his dad laid out. Uh, and that will take place that Saturday, May the 13th, as the main event. And somebody's going to walk out of there. Either a telecon who has put a lot of men on the shelf uh, will still be the classic. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever seen our belt, but the SICW Classic title belt we have on the plates on it has every person who's inducted into the St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame. Everybody from wow. Sam Muchnick, Johnny Valentine, Fritz von Erich, uh, uh, Gene Kaniski, the Funks, the Briscoes, they're all on these plates on this belt. It's a, it's a beautiful belt. Awesome. And, uh, and so he'll be going against the big Texan who uh, has got a lariat, uh, it's probably, I don't know if it's as bad as Stan the Hanson's Lariat, but it's going to be close to it. I'm glad Stan's going to be there to witness it. Maybe he can give the Big Texan a few pointers. Um, Would but, you say uh, he's got an advantage at being a Texas death match? A Texas death, that's why he picked it. I mean, uh, but there, you know, we'll have, uh, normally our cards, we have seven, eight matches on them. I think this one, we're going to have ten. 10 or 11, it's just that wow. I've got people, I got people, wrestlers coming in from Texas. Dory Funk Jr. is sending me up four of his students that graduated uh, from his uh, Funk Conservatory uh, training, another great school. Uh, so there'll be four of his uh, graduates come up to be in the Battle Royal and then be in a tag match. Um, uh, another gentleman that uh, 
loved Bruiser Brody as flying in to be in the Battle Royal. So this thing is getting a lot of attention from, and now look at you. I mean, you're you're searching the airfares. Well, I am, and I'll be honest, I've just looked up, just to give the fans some ideas, as you were saying, about affordability and getting everybody there. I mean, the prices are incredible, Herb. How you've done it is, is phenomenal. So just for your FanFest ticket, $27. The wrestling ticket, uh, $27. Or if you want to buy both, $42. A premium wrestling seating, the first two rows. This, to me, blows my mind when I'm about to say this. $17. I have never ever gone to any wrestling show where I can get it front, well, front row seating for less than $20. You're normally looking at $40, $50, $60. So amazing. And, and one of the most amazing things you've got at the bottom there is a St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame poster, $25. And that is the inductees of everybody in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you truly are, you can tell, uh, you already are, you are a phenomenal promoter um but also you care for the fans you care for the individual and that makes my heart just flourish because it is so rare these days to see that so thank you for that uh, and again thank you so much for today uh, i've i've definitely learned a lot and uh, i might be 500 pound less uh, in my pocket soon when i'm looking at these airfares i'm not gonna lie yeah um but look, you know, I just want to say thank you very much. Um, we would love to get you back on. So this isn't the last we've heard of, uh, of uh, yep. Herb. And of course, we all heard it live here. It's not that we're definitely going to hear from Herb, but also Barbara too. So I just want to say <laughs> to yourself, uh, thank you very much. Uh, you have been listening, everyone, to the Real Wrestling Podcast. And remember to keep it real. I'm just keeping it real, homie. I'm just keeping it real. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm just keeping it real, homie. I'm just keeping it real. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this has been us keeping it real on the Real Wrestling Podcast.